Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Last week on episode three of our CargoWise mini-series, we tackled one of the supply chain's most difficult, yes, most important topics, which is risk. One of the many lessons that the pandemic taught us was the importance of ensuring that robust risk management is incorporated into our supply chain strategies. But in the current landscape of market disruption and digital transformation, do we even know what the risks are? Well, I was joined by Mohan and Nachi to reflect on that question, to talk about why we all need to change the way we view risk in logistics and the approach that we should be taking to tackle that risk and better prepare for the unexpected. It's such an important topic, so I hope you all enjoyed it. And now today, in our fourth and final episode, we're taking a closer look at logistics digitization and specifically the role of people in its success. As we talk more and more about digitization across the industry, one important element that's often missing from those conversations is people and the resistance they can have to digital change. If we want to ensure smooth and effective digitization across the industry, we really need to start talking about the cultural changes that are also needed. And that's exactly what we're going to do here today. So welcome to the show, Tudor. We have had an absolutely fantastic mini series. I've enjoyed it so much. I've learned a lot and I can't believe this is the final episode. So we're going to go out on a high today, taking on another big industry issue. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your perspective. perspective. So Tudor, Welcome to the show. Let's start with some introductions. Uh, tell us who you are and what you do at YStack. Hi, Sarah. Thank you. Uh, my name is Tudor Maxwell. I'm head of YStack Academy, uh, which includes the e-learning that we produce for our products, um, additional content that we produce for the industry at large. It also, it also includes our translations teams. We translate our product into 30 mm -hmm. languages um, and certifications, people who want to certify and using our products. Um, so, so I have a fairly broad remit. I've been with WiseTech for a little over five years. Um, and previously, I worked in business and process improvement for uh, roughly 20 years. I also had um, a, a parallel career uh, lecturing at some business schools in both South Africa and Australia. Um, I, I lectured some of the quantitative topics uh, and also leading organizational change for about 10 years. Wow. So you are the expert on this subject. We've got the right person in the hot seat to talk to us today. And I can't wait to get um, started. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the Wise Tech Academy and what that does? I mean, as far as I know, it's a robust library that provides so much great information to the industry. So walk us through some of that. It is. Uh, we started um also about five years ago, soon after I joined Wise Tech Academy, and the vision of our founder, Richard White, was um, that we would expand the work we had already been doing, creating online learning for our products, which uh, typically answered the question of how to use our product to achieve a particular outcome in the industry, in, in the supply chain logistics industry. Uh, but we would expand that to answer the questions of why would we do those things and, and what are we actually doing? Um, so we built out um, a, a learning management system platform and started adding content to it that addressed industry topics, uh, including um, biosecurity and dangerous goods training, but also more fundamentally 
a diploma in customs broking and a diploma in international freight forwarding so that people who wanted to join the industry or um, enhance their skills or take a career move within the industry would find resources on our platform to do those things. Hmm. Amazing. Amazing. So you're really supporting, you know, people who are transitioning into the industry, really helping others to upskill. And so you've got a wide variety of content there to help multiple different people in the industry. So let's talk about the landscape of digitization in logistics. You know, we talk a lot about digitization, but there's definitely a bit of disconnect, I think, between what we're talking about and what we're actually seeing on the ground. I mean, we're talking technology, whilst we're also seeing a lot of Excel. I mean, 64% of supply chain professionals still using Excel. And um, a guest on a recent podcast episode, I mean, they even talked about faxes still being common. So what's your take on all of this? What's the landscape from your perspective? Um, I think digitization is a, um, presents a paradox for us. On the one hand, um, it's unstoppable. There's the, the case for digitizing is is so compelling uh, because it gives us an opportunity to stabilize the systems and processes that we use in our everyday practices, mm -hmm. um, and uh, critically to eliminate errors. Once we've keyed in data and confirmed that it's correct, we should never have to rekey the same data. Um, so digitization makes sense. On the other hand, we the, the progress towards it sometimes feels slow. Um, certainly the big players in the industry have made big strides, but it's a large and diverse industry and there are a lot of people who are somewhere on the journey. Um, and I think the uh, the paradox is explained to some extent by the the fact that it's that it is hard to make um, large scale changes inside your business to your for your business processes, uh, to the systems that, that people are using every day. Um, and, and to get people on the journey takes time and effort. Sometimes what we see is people try to take the shortcuts and they say, well, uh, let me digitize this little piece here because it's a pain point and it's technically complicated. So I'll, I'll build a solution in, in one application. Um, but when I then have a problem in another part of the business and I use a different application to solve that, uh, it opens up the challenge of multiple applications not necessarily speaking to each other. And um, that's, that's risky. Uh, it creates, uh, it doesn't eliminate the problem of, of rekeying or systems talking to systems, but it also creates problems like managing cybersecurity in multiple systems on multiple fronts. So, um, yeah, it's not optimal. Yeah. Well, and I think it creates a lot of mixed emotions in all of us, right? Like you said, we know that it's necessary and we use it in our everyday lives. But then we also find it somewhat difficult to be able to tackle a new technology, learn a new technology, right? Because it's really like learning a new skill um, to be able to get to that place <laughs> of betterness, shall I put it? it? Yeah. I think it's human for, for change to be uh, something that people fear or have anxiety around. I think that's normal. Um, there's another dimension, though, and that is that for people to resist change in a system is, in fact, often healthy. Um, if okay. they've worked out the, the best way to do something, then they need to resist attempts to make something that they're doing worse than what they were doing. So um, some resistance is good in the same way that when you're driving a car, the resistance between the tire and the road is a good thing. Okay, um, fair. 
on, on the other hand, the resistance between the, you know, for the, for the tires to roll, that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you want resistance in some parts of your business and you, you don't want it in others. Um, and there's an old change model dating back all the way to 1947 when a guy called Kurt Lewin said, you have to unfreeze a system in order to change it. And then you probably want to refreeze it again. You probably want to lock in the change. And it's this um, loosening up and changing and then tightening up again. It's cycles of that that we have to get used to in a business. So, yeah, um, fear of, of the change is normal. And in some cases, good. We've got to get good at handling and managing that resistance to change. Thank you for sharing that and putting it into a context that all of us can really understand. And I've never really heard of it framed that way. But it's nice to hear that we're not, you know, trying to knock out resistance completely, that it's okay to be human. It's okay to have a little bit of resistance when it comes to technology and change and digitization, because we talk about it a lot. So I know there's a lot of people out there who are quite overwhelmed by it. And I think are going to be relieved to hear that, you know what, it's okay to be human. It's okay. It's okay to have that resistance. And we need a little bit of that to really move forward and make that impactful change. So when it comes to digitization, we know there are tech challenges around things like integration and multiple systems, like you just mentioned. CargoWise actually conducted some research with Reuters earlier this year, and they had some interesting findings, including that a barrier to success is actually people. So let's talk about why that is. I think you've got some percentages to share. Um, I do. I think uh, going going back though to the to the the first phase of change. Um, if if you're trying to move an individual person, that's easy. If you're trying to move a whole company of people that have uh, day jobs, keeping the existing system alive, that's much more complicated. And I think um, one of the phases that we don't always do well is is a deep understanding of why we need to change now. Um, there needs to be a compelling case for the change that we're introducing for people to get on board and and make peace with it. Um, and so we need a, we need a case that demonstrates that the future that we're talking about is better than where we are now, mm-hmm. that it's achievable, and that staying where we are now is in fact not an option. It will lead to uh, the death of the business or the or the the failure in in competition against our competitors. Right. Get, getting getting people on the board, uh, getting them on board, sorry, and getting them a- across that first step is the most important part of the the process, and we can't do that unless we're engaging the best and brightest in our teams, um, and that and convincing them that this is something we have to do now, and then getting their support in working out how we'll do that in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if that's if if that first phase is not done well. Um, what we find in in large teams is dissenting voices with good reasons and right. and we and a loss of momentum. So yeah, I think that's really the starting point. And and our research did demonstrate that um, uh, whether companies knew it or not, those were some of the the limitations preventing progress. Yeah, some of the 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 percentages or the findings that was shared with me. of uh, people said difficulty adapting existing processes to new technology. And 14% said fear of the unknown. And I know you mentioned fear a little bit earlier. Are those findings um, surprising to you? Like, were any of the findings surprising to you? 
Uh, not at all. In fact, uh, I thought 14% fear of the unknown was low. low. Uh, I, I think, I think in fact, it's quite commonly higher, uh, obviously not according to our research. Um, uh, 41% also not at all surprising. Again, um, I, I think that could have been higher um, for people saying that um, adapting processes is hard work. It is because right down to the, the very detail of how we'll invoice a customer and the wording, the wording on right. the invoice or, or the, the way in which two systems are going to connect and speak to each other. We need good people um, working out the detail. So, um, yes, it's hard. But the, the advantage of doing that hard work is that we're building, we're locking in the future that we want that is an improvement relative today. So, yeah. um, so, so it's work we have to do. We have to get into the detail. Um, but we can only really get into the detail when we've convinced our best and brightest that we have to do this and we have to do it now. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that you talk about detail because often, you know, things come up and we're and we don't realize the detail that we need to be able to move forward through this uh, change, right? This change management, like you said, a small detail about the verbiage. <laughs> on the invoice really could set somebody back because they're moving forward, moving forward. And then they're like, Oh, I have no idea what to put on there. And I'm not entirely even sure where I need to go to get that information or who I need to go to. Um, but it's those small details that are really, really important, but let's, you know, let's talk about how we overcome those objections that a lot of uh, folks have when it comes to change management. How important are effective change management strategies when introducing new technologies and IT systems? Are there best practices companies can follow when it comes to getting started on that journey? Uh, yes, there are. I think um, some of the research in the, in the field demonstrated that there were common failures. There were lots of ways in which large change initiatives fail. Um, and the one that I've been talking about building that compelling case for change is, 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 uh, the starting point. Mm -hmm. Um, when companies fail to do that, then the change initiatives fail. Similarly, when you don't get, um, good people across the organization supporting and advocating for the change, it's difficult to build momentum. And, and that's another common finding. Um, the detail I think comes in sort of that third phase, working out practically, what is this going to look like? Right. Um, and, and again, you have good people in lots of different parts of your organization thinking through uh, what it'll look like and arguing sometimes with the case for change, challenging it, mm -hmm. um, because it, lots of waves of communication with those good people arguing the case fleshes out the model and, right. and builds buy-in and ownership of it. It's a, it's a noisy time when you're, when you're doing it in an organization. Um, it feels a little bit chaotic because the, the calm of the previous status quo has gone. And now you've got um, people arguing that this may not work or shouldn't work or isn't the best option. But it's, it's that noise and that chaos that frees up the space in which you'll design and implement the future, uh, the future model. That, um, so you, you kind of have to embrace that and, and walk into it. Um, and then I think then on the back of the, uh, the design phase, which can be noisy and chaotic, you get into broader scale communication. So now we've got our, our, our thought leaders pointing the way forward and we've worked through some of that detail. Uh, we're now ready to engage more broadly and say, this is going to happen and this is how we're going to do it. Um, and 
um, too much communication in that phase is never enough. So uh, you, you again have to have waves of communication. We are doing this. Uh, this is the timing. This is the framing. Let's talk about it. Very often the the vision and the design does need to change when you're in those communication cycles because clever people are raising things that you haven't thought about. Um, right. And you have to take that on board and and adapt the model and and respond and then keep progressing. This is fascinating. Tudor, I just enjoy listening to how you're thinking about digitization and how people respond to it, but not in a negative way. So many times I have these conversations and it's like, you know, people are fighting it and they're bringing up, you know, problems or that it's not the right system and they're really, really fighting against and resisting this change. And what you're really saying is, well, wait a second, we need to embrace it. There's going to be waves during this change that you're going to want that noise. You're going to want that chaos. You're going to want people to raise their hand and fight against it because that is really the only way forward. And the vision that you started with at the beginning isn't necessarily the one that you start with at the end, but I think it would really depend on obviously who you choose as a partner to make sure that they can adapt with you as you go through some of those conversations and some of that chaos. So I really appreciate you because I've never actually really heard um, about this kind of approach to digitization and change management. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Um Thank you. Uh, I think uh, just a final comment on resistance to sure. change. Sometimes when we say that's the reason we're not progressing, it's an excuse and it's it's not a good one. Uh, you were right to say we need to embrace that resistance yeah. and work with it. We have to turn it into uh, a force that changes, th that compels or drives the change. I think it's a common experience for people to say the person who argued loudest against this change is now our biggest advocate if you've taken the time to to convince them, yeah. then those 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 same energetic and um, vocal people mm -hmm. um, are often the people who drive the the next phase of progress. You did ask the question: Are there best practices? Um, I don't think there's ever a one size fits all, okay. but I do think there are people who've done this before, mm -hmm. um, and if you can get their help, that's a good thing. So um, certainly, people who've been through changes with uh, the same technology that you're experimenting with or people who've been through large organizational changes um, have learned skills that that are very valuable. And, and yes, you should embrace those. Well, and I think the other key point here is that the leadership needs to understand how to embrace that chaos and that noise because yes. that's going to be a key to success, right? Uh, it is, absolutely. Um, and and interestingly, it. Um, um, you, when you engage thought leaders across the business, they're at different levels. It, yeah. It's not, um, my experience is, is that it's not a, a leadership team making all the decisions and then directing people down below to go and implement them. Um, that model's not enough. There needs to be flow of information back from the coalface, back from the, the front lines when people are yeah. trying things and saying, oh, hang on, we didn't expect this. You didn't tell us about this. Mm -hmm. That information needs to feed back into the, the vision. In order to do that, you, you, do, you need a, a group of people directing the change that is broad and mixed and made up of thought leaders in lots of different parts of the business. 
Yeah. And they're guiding that change. But the leaders who are part of guiding that change really need to understand when it's good to have that noise and chaos and maybe when it's not. And I think that's really part of one of the biggest challenges that we have right now. So when companies have made a start, how do they take the rest of their organization with them? Because our people are important. So how should companies manage those objections? We're really going into what I just mentioned, right? How do we excite the team for change, include them on the journey, embrace the chaos, and then ensure a smooth transition to digitalization? I think once we've once we've been through that chaotic design phase or we're getting towards the end of it, which means that we have been engaging good people in various parts of the business, they've been interacting with the future design and improving it, and we're now feeling that it's stabilizing, it's settling out. Um, people are raising objections, but we have answers for those. Um, and so the chaos is subsiding. That's when we want to engage the broader workforce um, and in the in the first instance, they need to be aware of the change and they need to understand that they have a future in the company as part of it. Um, this is tricky because we don't have guarantees that um, right. that the future is going to be good for everyone. We never have those guarantees. Um, for a while in in Japan, in the in, and in particular in to- Toyota, when they uh, developed the Toyota production system, which became uh, famous around the world for its um, continuous improvement. Um, and for a while, they had the luxury of saying to people, um, y- you have employment for life. So yes, you have a future in the business, regardless right. of what changes. We don't have that luxury generally, and even uh, even there now, they don't. Mm-hmm. But um, but helping people to see how they have a future in the new world is very important. So uh, we they become aware of the fact that something's changing. That's the scary moment for them. But we then start talking about why it's important for them to be part of the change. Um, they do have a future in it. They can participate in it. We've thought that through. And the next phase after that would be to say, this is what it means. Let's let's get into some of the detail about what it means for you and your role and how your role will change and the new skills that you need in order to adapt to this and to be able to work productively in our, in our future business. Yeah. Well, and how we're going to support you to upskill. That's right. And and right? Um, and that's where the, the research um, had a very compelling result saying um, well into the 70s, I think it was 77% said, um, yes. we do need to offer training um, to the people that we're taking on board. So uh, that training moment is really important because it's the moment where we say, we will help you develop the skills you need to, to thrive in this new world, to be the stars in the new world that you were in the old. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yes, it's not apparent because the systems or the processes are, are different and you and you do have to learn something new. But there was um, overwhelming support for, for that. Yes, everyone understands that you do need training and development when you get to that stage of the journey. Yeah, but I, I think it's also just saying it, right? Like saying you're going to need to upskill and these are the skills that you're going to need and we're going to support you. I think those are like the three most important words that you can say after that. Now, you talked about, you know, 77% said that obviously training is important. Is that the vision for the academy? Is that kind of the impact that you are looking to make with the academy on the industry? Uh, Definitely. We'd love to to build out our resource um, pool so that we have content that supports uh, supports change in the industry, supports understanding, growth, development. But we think also that, um, so it's a mix of of generic content, industry 
content or product content, and then sometimes the specific content that relates to specific people's roles. Mm -hmm. In our organization, we have a mantra called lead with content. Mm -hmm. And the the idea of that is to say, you want to to lead a change, um, capture content, capture material that people will find at the right time in the right place Mm -hmm. to help them do their job. Um, I love the way you expressed it. Uh, as one of the most important things you can say, because the moment you say we're going to train and develop you, people realize that uh, they have a role in the future and the company is supporting them to become stars again in the, in the new world. So, um, yeah. so th- that overcomes the psychological gap. Then the challenge is how do we do this at scale? How do we do right. it so that it's effective training and efficient training? Because we want to be able to do this for people perhaps in different geographical locations in, um, at different times of the day or night that suit them. And that is very much where we think that online learning has a a very powerful role to play. And that's why we've invested in our academy. Yeah, well, and the other key point is too, once you say those words, people know that you are ready to invest in them again, right? Yes, And I think that's a really important uh, part of that as well. Now, Collaboration is key, right? I I always talk about collaboration being the future of business. So how important is that collaboration, like data sharing amongst the supply chain stakeholders when it comes to optimizing supply chain efficiency and maybe some of the decision-making that we're making on a daily basis? Uh, it's undoubtedly key. We we talk about a supply chain, the, the connections right. between the, the elements of the supply process and... Um, a breakdown in information flow down the supply chain creates inefficiencies and error. And um, inaccuracies or errors are vastly more expensive than um, the extra effort that it takes to ensure the consistency of the information flow up and down the supply chain. Um, that was also a key in the in the old experiments on continuous improvement. Um, that once you had done all the work connecting the parts inside your, the boundaries of your organization, you have to start working on the communication upstream and downstream to ensure that the whole supply chain is efficient. So, um, yes, it's undoubtedly key. And, and, and when, then we find um, converting that into information, not only um, for the business processes themselves, but about those processes. Um, so that's where we think leading with content, creating content, for people to learn about the process mm-hmm. is so important. Um, and for us, the holy grail in, in training or education is to provide just enough, just in time, just for the person who's consuming it. Um, and that's much easier to do online than it is uh, in classroom sessions, which happen periodically in different parts of the world at different times of day. Yeah. And how do people access the academy? Can they just a- access it through the website? Do they need to be a client? What does that look like? Uh, yeah, we have. Uh, so th- it's an online portal. Uh, people can um, sign up at any time. And um, uh, we designed it so that there was a pay-as-you-go model. There's no upfront contract uh, required. You can start using the courses. You can see what it would cost. Some of the courseware is free. Um, because we were happy to make that contribution um, to the industry. Uh, so people can sign up, try a course, and if it works well, they can explore the catalog and see if there's something else. 
This is different when it comes to companies using the, the site. Uh, they can do the same. They can also access it online. But we do then encourage them to become administrators of a deployment for their company. Okay. Very easy to do. Uh, but it means they have control then over um, who in their company uh, gains access to which courses. They can immediately um, expose courses to their people. They can enroll them. They can track their progress. And monthly or quarterly, they can uh, generate reports around the training that's been delivered and um, how much of that has been consumed. So um, that's very that's very easy to do. The, I think the more interesting thing and something that's growing and it's going to uh, increasingly be a focus of ours this year and next is um, letting those companies create tailored courseware on the same platform alongside our courseware uh, to say, well, in our particular application, there is some content that our team members need and it's not for public use. It's just for our teams. Um, so we'll create some simple online courseware alongside some of the other stuff that's available. Awesome. I love that it's available not only to your clients, but also to the industry as well. Um, because I think you do put together a lot of really great content and it's really going to help with improvement in the industry, whether it's from a technology perspective, bringing new people into the industry, upskilling folks that are already here as well. Now, another stat that came out of the CargoWise Reuters report revealed that 63% of professionals recognize the significance of regular updates and feedback mechanisms when it comes to the digitization process. So talk to us about like the need to create a learning oriented culture that will encourage continuous improvement and help people embrace that change. Like how can we create that culture of learning, right? To really help drive innovation and digital transformation. What do you think? I think um, going through a big change like this in a company is a massive opportunity for initiating and driving or building on, on that culture of mm -hmm. continuous improvement and continuous change. Um, if, if we can get it right once, um, and people have the experience that I faced into that, it was really scary, but the company supported me. They gave me resource materials. I, um, I learned new tricks and skills and now I'm doing really well. And in fact, what I'm doing now is much more powerful than where I started. So I didn't like it. I resisted it and now I support it. And I've been through that cycle successfully. Yeah. The next one is less scary. We've done this before and, uh, and I've learned the, the pattern and the pattern is uh, when presented with something challenging and new, I can build skills so that I can uh, respond to those and success, yeah, achieve success in the new model. Um, hmm. what, what we want is people who've been through those cycles. One of, one of my mantras in change is that the basic building block of change is one shared success. So we need to go through some scary things successfully. And then we need to tell the story um, and sh share the, the story about that. The next time we face a scary thing, we've got a pattern that worked before. It, it's a new problem, a new challenge that the solution is going to be different, but the pattern may, may be similar. I was resistant. I learned about it. I taught myself some skills and now I'm succeeding. So what we want to do with our academy and, and more generally with content is, um, is make those, those little cycles easy to flow through. So, um, learning material needs to be accessible. I need, I need to, uh, generate the skills to find learning material that applies to me and my role, mm -hmm. um, consume it and, uh, help myself and then progress. That I think is a very powerful, um, 
element in building that culture of change that you described. Yeah. And we learn so much about ourselves in the process, right? We think we're here, but then we push ourselves even further. And then we learn that we can actually do so much more than we think we can. And I think that is really a cool part that I didn't even think about until today about digital transformation. And I love that. And I think the other thing that really goes with what you just talked about is you're creating champions of change right? Absolutely. They go through it. In the end, they're like, oh, we made it through. I'm even better for it. Now I'm a champion of change. And that just echoes not only through the organization, but also also through the industry as well, right? It does. um, It builds a a resilience and a a future readiness um, because we're not scared of that unfreeze moment and and the change moment and then the the lock it in and build on it, refreeze. Amazing. So finally then, why don't you sum up the three key cultural or human changes that are critical for the successful digitization of logistics? Um, From all the things we've spoken about today, I would say the beginning is still um, designing a really good um, plan. It's that first phase around um, building a compelling case for why we'd making this change and what the key elements are and ensuring that we have that interactive process with thought leaders Mm -hmm. as we build out the vision. If we fail on that, then we will build a shared experience of failure rather than um, a shared experience of success. So getting the plan right, um, working through it, working through that design phase, getting expert help in that phase, all of that I think is critical. the next phase, once we've locked that down and the chaos has subsided, is that broad scale communication, um, helping people to see, as you said earlier, that um, th- that they have a role in the future and we're going to help them to thrive in it, getting that message across. Um, and then for me, the third one is is using our content really well. And this is where online learning plays into the space. But um using that online learning really well to build momentum, uh, to build the culture of continuous improvement, continuous growth and continuous learning that makes this and future changes easier um, and to do that effectively and at scale. So so we need the, just the right bit of content getting to the right person at the right time because that's the best mm-hmm. learning experience we can have. And then we need that to be available to all our people um, and yeah, I, th- I think that's the the fun challenge with building quality online learning. Such great advice. And I have learned so much from you today, Tudor. So as we head quickly uh, towards 2024, digitization has once again been named as a megatrend to watch out for. Investment in technology is high, and so is the belief in the power of digital transformation. But as an industry, we're only as strong as our people. And if those people are resistant to change or aren't inspired by its potential, if they're not learning and growing alongside the digital changes, then progress stalls. But WiseTech Academy is on a mission to empower individuals by providing affordable access to high-quality online education. It offers the learning resources professionals need to develop new skills, advance their careers, accelerate productivity, manage corporate risk, and thrive alongside the inevitable tech revolution. 
If you want to find out more, you can check them out at wisetechglobal.com or cargowise.com. And it's been an incredible mini series. I hope you've all enjoyed it just as much as I have. And a big thanks to Tudor for joining me today and to the team at Wisetech Global for making this episode happen. Tudor, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Sarah. It's been great.